Hello everybody. It's very good to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and spend this bit of time with you and to look with you at the literally vitally important topics of environmental care and sustainable living. It's a privilege and a pleasure for me to be able to look at these things with you today. We live in a wonderful world. I want us to start with that absolute affirmation. We live in a wonderful world. We live in a world, to use the language of Genesis 1, that is teeming with life. We live in a world of beauty and diversity. Do you know God could have created a boring, bland, grey world and placed us in that? A world that just looks the same all over and had no colour and difference. But God didn't, did he? God created an amazing world full of beauty. I am sure that you love experiencing that beauty whether it's just stepping outside into your gardens or onto your balconies, going for a walk in a local park or down the canal, or whether you're somewhere where you can get out and go into somewhere that has larger areas of the natural world. Maybe you might live somewhere where you can access a place of wilderness, I don't know. But wherever it is, even if it is just some plant pots in inside our house, wherever it is. We love experiencing the natural world, don't we? And it is good for us to start by making this affirmation that we live in a wonderful world, a world of beauty, a world that God has placed us in to enjoy. And if you love nature, if you love getting out and listening to the birds or going for a walk in the hills or seeing the trees in your city park. If you love any of that, then that is a part of your Christian faith. That is a part of who you have been created to be. Please don't see that as separate. You know, your Christian faith is over here and your love of nature is over there. Don't see those things as separate. God has placed us in a wonderful world to enjoy. So see that as part of your God-given nature of who you are. So let's begin in that place that we live in a wonderful world that we can enjoy. We can get outside and enjoy it and fall in love with the natural world. But we know sadly that as well as living in a wonderful world, we also live in a world that is deeply wounded. We live in a world that is wounded by our activities and by the way that we are living. There are so many different issues that we could touch on. I sometimes teach on an MA course looking at environmental ethics and I begin by asking the students to get into pairs and to make a list of all of the environmental problems that we are facing in our world today. And then we go through, uh, we go round rather, and each couple, each pair, 
says something then we go to the next one and when we've got to the end of the pairs then we start at the beginning again and go round and we can be going round and round and round for quite a long time naming all of the different environmental issues that we face we know there are a lot and I'm not going to attempt today to go through all of those or give you a comprehensive overview of the state of our planet but there are three things that I do want to highlight and that we need to hold as we think about this amazing wonderful beautiful world the first really big issue that we face is of course our climate crisis I have been speaking on issues of the climate for coming up for 30 years, I think now. Um, and for many of those years, I talked about, I talked in terms of prediction. And I was calling people to say, look, there's a crisis that is coming down the road. And if we don't take action, this is what is going to happen. We're going to see coral reefs dying. We're going to see increasingly extreme weather events. We're going to see increasing floods and droughts and wildfires. We're going to see increasing numbers of environmental refugees. We're going to be seeing people pushed back into poverty, crops failing, so on and so on. People and children not able to go to school because of the disruptions. So take action because if we don't act now, this is what's going to happen. Then a few years ago, it hit me with a shock that actually I needed to change my language. All the things I had been talking about as predictions were now happening. Now, we are not heading for a climate crisis. We are in a climate crisis. And if we think we are still heading for one, that's because we're living in a very privileged position. For millions of people around the world, the climate crisis is now. And at Tear Fund, we hear every day how the climate crisis is devastating the lives of people living in poverty. And that is why we are doing so much around the climate crisis as an organisation, both from a, um, a kind of higher level systemic campaigning and advocacy perspective, but also really working with communities on the ground, in countries all around the world, helping them to cope with the crisis that they are finding themselves in, helping them with sustainable agriculture practices, helping them with renewable energy and so on. The climate crisis is directly linked to issues of poverty and we see that at Tear Fund every day. And it's an issue of justice as well. A person in Malawi will take a year to consume the amount of resources and emit the, the, the emissions that we in the UK emit in six days, just six days to consume the same amount that a person in Malawi consumes in a year. This is a justice issue. So the climate crisis is devastating the lives of people living in poverty. Alongside that, and as part of that, we are facing biodiversity loss on an unprecedented scale, which we know is down to our human behavior and activities. One in three, a third, 
of every amphibian and reptile species on this planet is currently at risk of extinction. One in four mammals, 25% of mammals, are at risk of extinction. From exotic creatures like the Komodo dragon through to much-loved local creatures, UK creatures like the puffin, we are facing species extinction. And this is happening partly because of climate change, but um, actually mostly because of the way we are using and abusing, mistreating the land and the seas. And let's not forget the seas when we're talking about environmental care. So the second issue is species lost at loss and seeing ecosystems collapsing and declining. And then the third issue that we're facing is plastic, plastic pollution. We are drowning, almost literally, we are drowning in plastic. And that is having a negative impact on ourselves, on our own health. So there's now research coming out that uh, is showing that we have tiny plastic particles in our lungs and we don't know the long-term impacts of that. It's having a terrible impact on marine ecosystems and that's something we have seen a lot of, isn't it? We're all familiar with the pictures of turtles being caught up in plastic netting and albatross chicks being dead, dead albatross chicks being cut open and finding tiny bits of plastic in them. And, and plastic pollution is also having an impact on the lives of people living in poverty as they are not able to deal with the plastic and so it builds up causes an increase in malarial diseases causes flooding when the waterways get clogged and then the rains come which can lead to death causes respiratory problems because the only way of dealing with the plastic is to burn it and so on so we are living in this wonderful world, but we are also living in a wonderful world that is deeply wounded through our behaviours and our actions. And the question for me is, is this, is this something that as Christians we should be concerned about? I hope it's pretty obvious that it is. I know that you're listening or watching this um, because it's part of you thinking about why this is part of our Christian calling. Uh, and why is that? Well, again, I could give you a very long theology um, around that and could give you an in-depth look at the Bible, which I haven't got time for. You'll be pleased to know. So I just want to highlight four very simple points to you as we think about these issues from a Christian perspective. The first really comes back to that point about us living in a wonderful world. The, the first point is that God made this world and God loves it. God loves everything that is a part of this world, both human and wider than human. And coming back to that point of us not seeing uh, our Christian faith as separate to our love of nature, as Christians, as people of the scriptures, we affirm that we worship a creator, God. This world has been created by God. It's not something that 
God kind of thought of of an off day on an off day when God couldn't think of anything else. This isn't God's second best. Um, this isn't something that God looks at and thinks, oh, that will do for the time being um, until I can think of something better. Do you know, God made this world. God poured God's self into this world. This world comes from God's breath. God spoke. The breath of God spoke this world into existence somehow in a way that we don't understand. This world comes from the very being of God. And therefore, it is inherently valuable and precious in God's eyes, not only because of what it can give to us as humans, but because it comes from the God who we worship. And God affirms that this world is very good. It's fantastic. This isn't a world that is inferior. This is a world that God loves. Colossians 1 15 to 20 has those amazing words in it and it affirms that this world has been created by Jesus and for Jesus and in Jesus and through Jesus almost as if this world was a present from the a gift from the father to the son Jesus is deeply involved in this world and the scriptures all the way through show us how intimately involved with the world our God is. You look at some of those wonderful Psalms. You look at Job 38 and 39, those huge words of God's creation of this world. And then you have beautiful imagery of God stooping down and seeing the doe as she gives birth to the fawn and uh, watching over the ostrich, kind of laughing at the ostrich. And <laughs> you just see God's involvement with this world. God loves this world. So therefore, as people who love God, don't we want to love and to value and to hold as precious and to take care of something of that which is so valuable and precious to the God who we love and worship? So I would love it if it could sink into us just how much God loves this world. As we look out at the natural world and think it's beautiful, how much more does God think the same. So I would love us today to get a hold, excuse me, to get a hold of what of God's heart for this world. God made this world and loves it. And secondly, we have been created in order to look after it. We have been created as God's image bearers created and placed or there's you kind of get this temple imagery as if the world is God's temple and like when you go into a temple you have the image of the God in that temple we are that image we are to represent God we have been created in God's image so that we may rule over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea but what does ruling mean when we look at God's concept of ruling in the scriptures, it's not about dominion and oppression and subjugation and all of those kind of things. Ruling to God is about care and compassion and love. His instructions to his kings were all about looking after the widow and the stranger the, and the orphan, 
taking care of those who live in poverty. Ultimately, being a ruler for God is about being a servant. So we are here, uh, we have been placed in this world as servant kings to serve the rest of what God has made. What an upside down challenge for us when we so often think that we've been placed here for the rest of the world to serve us and to serve our needs. We are here to serve the world. This world has gone wrong because of us. We know that and the scriptures also speak to that through the prophets. We see the people's relationship with God is very much bound up with how they treat other people, with social justice, with matters of poverty and injustice. And then the land responds according to whether people take care of other people. Jeremiah 4 tells us that the land mourns because of the people's sin. God, the people and the land are always held together in the scriptures. But the good news is that this world has a future. This world has a future of redemption and of reconciliation. Colossians 1, 19 to 20 tells us that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross to reconcile not only people, but to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to God. So God has plans for this world, not plans of destruction, where we will then spend the rest of our days up in heaven, but plans of renewal and transformation. And we are called to be a part of those plans and to take our place today in working with God for those plans of reconciliation. I'm aware I'm talking about some pretty big issues here, particularly the uh, what we can call the eschatological stuff. If that's new, if you'd like to read more about it and understand more about it, please do have a look at some of the books that I've written. If you just Google me or Ecosia me, put me into your search engine, look at my website and you can see some of the books that I've written, uh, particularly chapter four of Saying Yes to Life looks at that eschatology stuff in detail. So go there if you want to find out more about that. But we are called to take our place and to play our part in God's plans for reconciliation of all things, humans, people included. And how do we do that? We do that through standing in the gap. We stand in the gap between this wonderful but broken, wounded world that we live in today and our hopes for the future of a renewed, transformed heaven and earth. And we stand in the gap as followers and worshippers of Jesus by giving, acting and praying. Let's give, let's use our money to bless this world and to bless people living in poverty. Jesus talked about money more than any other issue in the, in the Gospels, apart from the kingdom of God. What we do with our money matters. So let's use our money. Please do feel free to give to Tear Fund. Please do feel free. Would love you to support the work that we're doing to help people living in poverty in around 50 countries of the world, some of the poorest countries of the world, often tackling with them the climate crisis because of the impact that that is having. Let's use our money generously. So we give, 
how we use our money matters. And then we act and we can act in two ways. We act by calling on governments and businesses to put in place the policies and the practices that will work in favour of the world's poor and of the wider natural world. If we're going to see change, we need to see that at the large systemic level. And it's governments and businesses that can put in place that big systemic change. So please join in with the campaigns that Tear Fund and others run. Don't be a lone voice. Join in with what is happening. At Tear Fund, we are regularly campaigning around climate and also around plastic and waste as well. And we would love you to join, our, to join your voice with the voices of thousands of other people in the UK and all around the world, calling on our governments and businesses to act. So we act by using our voice and we act by thinking about those smaller lifestyle changes that we can make as well. Thinking about how we eat, what sort of food do we eat? Let's reduce the amount of meat and dairy that we consume. We don't have to be vegetarian or vegan, but it is important that we are eating a predominantly vegetable and grain-based diet. And if and when we do want to eat meat, then let's support those farmers who really care about the land and care about their animals. Let's think about where our food has come from. Think about our travel. How do we get around? Can we reduce the emissions from our travel, flying less, using our cars less, all of it obviously within the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Thinking thirdly about the energy that we use, switch to a green renewable energy supplier. That's such a simple thing that we can all do, doesn't necessarily cost any more than our current supplier, but that will make a big difference. And all the other kind of little tips around reducing your energy use in your home, turning down your thermostat and things that you'll be familiar, very familiar with. And then think about your, your waste, particularly your plastic waste. What things in your house can you do to move away from single use plastic? There are lots of tips, lots of different individual things that we can do around our food, around our fashion, around our technology, our, um, our energy, our travel, our plastic, and so on and so on. Again, Tear Fund has brilliant resources around that. I've written things about that as well, and you can see some of the books on my website. Let's make those little individual choices as well as calling on our governments and businesses to act. So we stand in the gap, we give, we act, and finally, we pray. I believe that prayer changes situations. I believe that prayer counts. And we need prayer to undergird everything that we're going to do. Or we need prayer to undergird everything that we're doing. If we're going to see the change that we so desperately need to see, then we need to get on our knees and pray. You know those familiar words, if my people will repent, and turn from their wicked ways. What will God do? He will heal our land. And we need an act of God. We need God's compassion and mercy to come in, to heal our land, to heal the seas, to heal the air. So let's together, let's pray. 
And again, Tear Fund and other organisations have great resources, particularly around the climate. If you want to pray around the climate, we we put out regular prayer prayer suggestions for that. So do have a look at the climate pages on the Tear Fund website and you'll see see all the different resources as well as the prayer things that you can sign up to. So we live in a wonderful, wounded world. We live in a world that God loves, that we have been tasked with looking after. We have been tasked to look after people and planet, responding to the needs of people living in poverty and thinking about the air that they breathe, the seas they fish in, the land that they live off. And we can take action by standing in the gap by giving, acting and praying. Let us do that together. Let's be a movement of Jesus followers who pick up on that calling to be representing God, the Trinitarian God, into this world that we live in. Bless you. I hope that's been helpful and every blessing on you as you think these things through further in your church and in your own lives.